All right, Rich here, and today we're bringing you a super fresh episode. We have the Grit Coaches on, who are more specifically Faye Stenning and Jess O'Connell. And these two, they're actually childhood friends who grew up to be mega athletes. Faye is the most winningest female Spartan athlete over the last decade, and Jess, who is a Canadian Olympian in the 5K from the 2016 Olympics. So both these athletes are actually off of pretty big performances as Jess set the Canadian two-mile record in Boston, and Faye took home a big win at High Rocks, coincidentally. Uh, So we just talk about that a little bit, but mostly... We do a deep dive about their coaching services with Grit Coaching and how they're helping OCR athletes and runners with a unique approach. Um, Their approach is you get two high-end coaches to help you succeed, and it's never boxed, never templated, where most of the time it is something coming from one specific person, but here you get two awesome coaches. So in the episode, we talk about why they've chosen to take this approach and how to have a custom approach is much better than any sort of template or cookie-cutter program. We also talk about some mental training tips that Jess and Faye use to improve their own performances, as well as the performances of their athletes and things that you could do to implement into your own training. And we also talk about how some pre-run strength training can really help reduce injuries and things that you can kind of do to help yours. Um, so before we get into that, please drop us a rating and review. It means a lot. Uh, say something nice. That'd be great. And also use the link in the show notes to learn more about the premium one-on-one coaching we offer here at Reinforced Running. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. Mm-hmm. My name is Rich Ryan. I'll be your host today. We have two super special guests today, the team of Grit Coaching. That's Jess O'Connell and Faye Stenning. Guys, what's up? Hello. Hello. <laughs> so I'm, I'm super excited to have you guys on. Um, but before we really dive in, I have a bit of a, a warm up. I'm a firm believer in warm up. So I'm just going to ask each of you guys a couple of questions and then you answer them how you want. Take as long as you want. And we'll just have we'll just go from there. So what do you think? Sounds good. So this first one's for both of you. And I want to know what you guys would say is definitively better about Canada than the United States. So, Faye, why don't you start on that one? The mountains. Um, I miss the Rocky Mountains so much. My friend just sent me a picture of, um, yeah, of, uh, where was it? Camor. He was there over the weekend. That's like by Banff. Everyone knows Banff, Banff mm-hmm. Camor area and the, mm-hmm. the Americans. So I would just, yeah, the mountains and the space um, that we have. It's not all cluttered and people like some of the cities in the States. So that's my favorite Yeah, because you live in a cluttered flat area now, right? <laughs> yeah. So basically I'd say the opposite of my situation that I missed without Canada. <laughs> what I like better is the opposite of here. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I'm all flat and cluttered as well. So we'll talk about some ways to train on flat, cluttered terrain For today, sure. I think. Um, Jess, what do you think? The chocolate bars. <laughs> uh, we have coffee crisps. We have arrows. We have Smarties, which are chocolatey. They're delicious. Come on, <laughs> try them. They're great. <laughs> so, are these specific brands of candies, or are they types of candies that, like, I don't think I'm not familiar at all? <laughs> They're types of chocolate bars. So, kind of like a Hershey bar or a Mars bar, or I don't even know what you guys have, but you don't even better. think about it. Chocolate is just better quality here. Like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that you guys would have more attention to detail with chocolate down here. We're just pumping it out. 
people <laughs> who are eating it, so that they just want it. Yeah, we're a quality um, over quantity type of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're opposite. That's fair. <laughs> um, cool. So, Faye, what is the best gift anyone's ever given you? Um, my boyfriend got me. Um, it sounds so silly, but robes. Like I love wearing a robe, like just a bathrobe. Yeah, yeah. Um. So he got me like two bathrobes with like my name embroidered on it and. Um, it's just, that is so me, like I'm all about like comfort and leisure and I can be a bit of a princess. So, you know, I like that. I have like my pink embroidered name on my robe. Um, I, yeah. So I wear that, like, you know, and I'm not training, I'm like straight into the robe and that's pretty much my outfit for most of the, most of the day while I'm doing my coaching, um, online coaching. So that's my favorite gift. And are you like, a, like specific on feel You're like okay now i feel like the pink robe is where is going to fit me best today or is there a system behind the robe wearing yeah there is a little bit of a system um one's this uh pretty uh ugly like big comfy robe and one's a little less silk sexier one so you can <laughs> probably imagine when i wear a certain one ah, just, i'm embarrassing jessica she's like hey we're not talking about your uh intimate life on this podcast sorry uh, i'm but, just um, rolling yeah. my eyes because i've seen them both <laughs> um, anyways and are you on the dry robe team that's a thing right the oh yeah no i'm not no Definitely. You're going to be now. I've never it, even tried one of those. Uh, maybe that would have helped me. And uh, I should have worn that up Tahoe this year, apparently. <laughs> just at the top, they're handing out dry robes. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, Jess, so if you had one extra hour of free time a day, how would you use it? Ooh. Uh, I would <laughs> – I was going to say I would bake. But that goes um, in line with my chocolate comment. I like baking. <laughs> I like cooking. Oh, I would go for a walk, call up a friend. Not very social. You smash that all into an hour. Your hour is just like packed now. I'm also very good at multitasking. Okay, and that's fair. I'm not, I'm not good at relaxing. <laughs> what would you What would you bake? Are you like a, a, a sweets or like bread or, or do you bake chocolate? Can you just bake chocolate at home? Don't know. I haven't you? tried. Um, well, that's, muffins. that's what you can do. I, I'm big into muffins. <laughs> Big muffin bake. Got yeah, um, I'm big into muffins. Actually, my High Rocks performance was fueled by Dunkin' Donuts coffee cake muffin. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jessica and I have very similar eating habits. Actually, well, not 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 like timing eating. We eat very differently, but in terms of we're like obsessed with baked goods. Mm-hmm. That's why it's really great that we have an online coaching business because we can like do these at coffee shops and just gorge ourselves and bake mm-hmm. baked goods all day. Yeah. <laughs> Faye between- and I grew up together. Um, we went to high school together, even junior high together. So we've done a lot of runs together. And the classic Faye Jeff special is meet up for a run, go kill ourselves, then refuel the coffee shop, gorge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And are, are coffee shops as big of a thing where you guys grew up or is it is straight up or is it Tim Horton's? <laughs> or is it or because like uh, yeah they are um, Tim Hortons is like Dunkin Donuts but yeah. there are coffee shops because <laughs> some places are not even like in the states you'll go to cities and it's just not part of the culture in the northeast like yeah. there's coffee shops literally everywhere and it's like my favorite thing I love it I so, know um, something so relaxing yeah. about a nice coffee shop I know I'm like a snobby about it too I'm like how you are uh with the robes I have a system behind which coffee shop <laughs> I'm going to um Cool. So Faye, you mentioned doing high rocks this, uh, this past weekend. So what is the hardest part of high rocks? Um, the sleds, the sleds are terribly heavy. Um, 
Yeah, just like the weight for the women's sled is 275 pounds plus the weight of the sled, which puts that like well above 300 pounds. Oh, so it's 275 um, just on plates. Yeah, just on plates. Oh, okay. plus, and then plus the weight of the sled. I, I don't know what, what the weight of the sled is, but yeah, well over 300 pounds, probably close to 350 pounds. It is so hard. I, yeah, I felt like nothing like that. Um, I, I, you push it and you push it for like a couple of meters. And when I get really, really tired um, and I'm really uncomfortable, <laughs> I, I feel bad, but sometimes I throw out F bombs. Like I just like, well, stop and then I just like <laughs> throw out like an F bomb. And so like over the 50 meters of sled pull, I think like, because I could only push it like five meters at a time. I had like, you know, 10 F bombs. Like, <laughs> it stops you in the track, your track and you're just like so uncomfortable and it's neat to, um, like you're not stopping because you're tired or because it's a choice. Like it just will, there's nothing you can do about it. It just puts, you hit, you literally hit a wall and can't move any far, any faster or further. So it's interesting. And like, so when you go back and log like workouts or anything, like if you're using a training log like Strava, do you, are you able to quantify how hard the workout is by the amount of F-bombs you drop? Or are you just kind of... <laughs> Yeah, probably. Like I could probably three do F-bombs. that. Yeah, it was a moderate day. More of ten, yeah. More than ten is similar to High Rock's effort. Yeah, that's how you know it's so recovery heavy tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica's tempos, which I hate doing, those are High Rock's effort for me. Hate them. Not so much in the effort wise, just the dislike of them. So just like gr- getting your mind around a tempo, and it's like, all right, it's one long interval, but. Fuck this. <laughs> just yep. gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. And so just similar question, but what is the hardest part about Irish dancing? Oh, it is definitely keeping your arms down <laughs> and then learning how to reuse your arms in regular life. So in Irish dancing, <laughs> you need to keep your arms plastered to your sides like you can't move them at all. So it's sort of like you don't have arms. So it's really hard to balance. It's really hard to do jumps and whatnot with no arms. But then when back in real life, like going to the club, like how, how do you dance? I don't know. How do you dress? <laughs> running, my, my arm carriage in running is horrendous. I run like an orangutan because I don't know how to use my arms. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the hardest. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very unique look of things. I don't like I'm like American Irish. I'm Irish by my heritage, but like, I don't know anything about Irish mm-hmm. dancing. Why don't you use your arms? Like, is there, a, do you know like the history of it or is it just, that's just what it is and that's how it is now? Or like, what is the deal with the way that it looks? So back in Ireland and a gazillion years ago, dancing was forbidden and people would still want to dance to the fun Irish music. And so they would keep their arms by their sides. So only their heads would bop. And then if someone was walking by and looked through the window, they wouldn't actually see any dancing. They would just <laughs> like, oh my God, standing around so and oscillating. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's, I would have never have thought that was the answer. I'm glad there is an answer though. Is that just like people just being so religious back in the day, like I- Irish people? It's like, we were not going to Yeah. And the Irish Catholics are very repressed. So I think it was sort of a no fun time. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, <laughs> it's glad you can have fun now with it a little bit. All right, cool. So. Yeah. You guys are through the warm up. So, um, how about just going through a little bit for the listeners who might not be familiar with the guys and just quick background on who you guys are as athletes and coaches. So, um, Jess, you want to go first? Sure. So my name's Jess. If you didn't pick that up, I am a track and field athlete. So I represented Canada at the 2016 Rio Olympics in the 5k 
and I've been to a few world championships. I have a few Canadian records and I'm gunning up for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics as well. And when I'm not running, which takes up a big part of my day, I work with Faye um, doing our grit coaching, which we'll talk about at length, I think today. Mm -hmm. And I also have a master's degree in exercise phys. So that was my first life as I was becoming a professional athlete. I was also in school. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm real excited to touch on on the grit coaching and everything, but you just set a national record, right? You've set two national records this indoor season, correct? Uh, one was last year and one was, oh, that was last year. year. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And so that was the two mile. Yeah. Yeah. This weekend, yesterday, two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about the race. You, you mentioned it in, in the beginning, but, uh, you said it was more of like a tactical race, which is kind of strange this time of year that it wasn't just kind of strung out and run fast. How, how'd the race go? Yeah. Well, the field was incredible. Like Emma Coburn was in it, Eleanor Perrier, um, Dom Scott, some like really, really high caliber athletes. And so the pace was, was quite variable through it. Like we, we went out decently fast, but not quite as fast as we wanted to. And then once the rabbit dropped out, we just started walking basically. And I, um, I was like, oh, I didn't come here to run slow. So I instinctively like took to the front and started hammering and used up all of my gas and got passed by a few people at the end. But it was, you wouldn't expect a tactical sort of game playing race like this early in the season, but it was actually really good because it exposed some weaknesses to me. Like I'm not ready to change pace right now. I don't really have finishing speed right now. So it was a really good report card on things to bring home and, and address in my training before my next race. Yeah, for sure. And it's good that you did have that wherewithal in the race to go up and push. Cause like you said, you know, you're, you're putting an effort out there in the first place and you, did you go there with the idea of, of running this record? Yeah. Well, like to be totally honest, I thought that I was much fitter than the time I ran. And oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I thought that the record would be fairly easy to get because the two mile isn't run too fast or sorry, too often in Canada. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the athlete who had it. It, it is, it was run by a very good athlete, but it's just run rarely. So I was like, Oh, this is my chance. It shouldn't be too, too much of a stretch to go for it. And then as the race was unfolding, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like this is actually really hard. I underestimated this and I'm like working really hard with these pace oscillations. So it, that was part of it, but I was also like, like, why, what's the point of running slow right now at this point in the season? Like, this is just, it's all just practice. So. Right. And it's better than to sit in tactical and like maybe place better than, and run a slower time. But like you said, like, well, what's the point at this time of the year for that? In a race like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Awesome. Well, congrats. <laughs> and, uh, the two miles, not, I, I was reminded that they don't run miles in, in Canada. It's all meters. So for those of mm -hmm. you wondering why that's the case, um, <laughs> and Faye, just give us a quick background on who you are and how you guys uh, got involved in this coaching. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm Faye. Um, I guess uh, one of the few pro obstacle racers, which always seems so funny to still be saying, um, but yeah, I run obstacle racing and recently just at the high rock. So We'll see where that sport goes, but it might be a new uh, a new avenue I check out as well. Um, yeah, I, I went to school um, with Jessica um, all through high school. Um, I have a kinesiology degree. Um, I ran through university as well. Um, same events as Jessica, just a heck of a lot slower. Um, but um, yeah, so when I got into obstacle course racing, I was so confused. I was like, you know, I feel like everyone is running these races. But then when I look at, when I talk to them about training, like no one's actually running. 
I was like, I don't understand. Like it's a foot race. Like you have to, to get to the finish line, you have to run there. So why isn't, why is so little time spent actually running and so much time spent doing CrossFit and all these other, these other things. So I uh, contacted Jess and I was like, Jess, we could like really help people. Like you need to come on board with me. We need to start this business. People need to learn how to run. And I think that you're the perfect person to teach them. Um, I never want to be coached by people that are slower than me. So that <laughs> leaves very few people for me to trust. Um, so <laughs> I, I was like, I'm going to trust Jessica. And then with her background in exercise phys, I just, I was really confident that we'd be able to provide a product that was yeah, scientifically sound and, and really could help a lot of people. So yeah, we partnered together. I don't know, Jess, when did we start our business? 20, 2017, 2016. 20- yeah, something like that. So yeah, we've been enjoying it. We've been having a lot of fun. Um, yeah, just getting to meet all sorts of different people and getting to help them achieve their goals. Um, and there's no end of goals in obstacle course racing, moving from open to competitive to elite to age group to all these different challenges. Um, so it's it's a great sport in the sense that everyone can have a goal. The goal isn't just making the Olympics. It's There's so many diverse um, ways to go about the sport. So yeah, it sounds like you guys found a, a need like there was a, a hole right in how people were training and Faye, why do you think that people just ignored the running part more or less do you think it was a lack of knowledge or do you think it was just something that they didn't want to do or how, mm-hmm. why do you think that there was that piece that like oh why is nobody running for this running race um i think it's like a combination of things um i think when ocr came out there was a huge um push for functional fitness and hit training that was kind of like the it was almost a uh, like a fad every like all these classes came out and and um, people wanted to do them because they're a lot of fun and it, they're highly addictive and it's really fun to you know do Tabatas and like and that sort of dynamic training and I'm not saying that we don't do that with our athletes we do do some circuit training but um, I think it was very very overused like almost sort of culturally in the fitness world um, and, and then I think that you know Running, sometimes, you know, for a lot of people, it is really hard and it it does, you know, get easier as you get more comfortable. Running is like my favorite activity to do because I've gotten fairly good at it that I can like go out and just run and chat and be very, very comfortable. But to get to that point where you can run comfortably, which, you know, it means aerobically, um, it it does, it is frustrating. And I think that very few people want to go through those growing pains to to get to that point. Um, But once you do, it just makes everything so much easier I mean you can just high rocks is a good example like I had piss poor form in probably all those events Um, I'm definitely not stronger than any of those girls but at the end of the day kind of endurance for a lot of these sports is king so for sure and at the end of the and you also will mention your awesome race as well you took a home a win at high rocks in Chicago this weekend right Mm -hmm. and um and so, like at the end of the day, it's still like how long did it take you? It took you over an hour, right? Like, it's yeah, one eleven. Un- yeah. So if you put that in terms of a road race, that's like within that half marathon like territory, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So, like, and it's it, that Jessica like has, has to remind our clients of this yeah. all the time because they use the word sprint, and then Jessica's like, "How long is this Spartan sprint actually going to take you?" Right. And then she has to give them the whole what you're just saying there. Has to explain that it's not sprint it's an aerobic event for sure <laughs> even even like a stadium that takes like the fastest male athlete takes 22 minutes that's still eight like a fast fast 8k you know like it's still 100%. a distant event 
Um, Plus, when you're when you're improving, you can only be so good at the obstacles. You you need to be strong, but you only need to be strong enough. Mm-hmm. With running, you can take minutes, half an hour. We've had clients improve hours mm-hmm. in their races by becoming better runners. So that that is the gap that you need to address in the vast majority of athletes that we've worked with. And and that was something that I was curious about as well. So you guys knew each other from from growing up and you found this kind of gap in training that you feel like, okay, we can help people really get better results if we put this emphasis on running. And you guys are coming at it both as high level endurance athletes, but they are still different sports. So when I was trying to figure out how you guys work this, I was like, okay, is Jess just the running coach and is Faye the OCR coach and it's just kind of under one coaching umbrella or, or tell me a little bit about how like the coaching philosophy works behind what you guys are doing. Yeah. So we work together all the time. Both of us are on most of our calls because we think that that's really valuable for uh, an athlete to talk to both of us. And we're constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. We have different areas of expertise and we don't always agree. So we'll talk about things and, and figure out what the best plan is. So I do primarily do the the run coaching and Faye does primarily do the strength writing, but sometimes that changes is if we have a runner who's looking for strength, I'll have more input. Or if we have an OCR athlete doing a really technical hilly course, Faye will have tons of workouts she'll suggest that I put in. So we, we really play to each other's strengths and path ex- past experiences in that sense. Um, and yes, we do absolutely emphasize the running, but we do have a solid strength program as well. They make sure that it's really, really uh, precise and it, it just really targets what these athletes' goals are so that they're lifting efficiently and they're running efficiently and everything they're doing is complementing each other. So yeah. you're never sacrificing a workout because you have another workout in an hour, nothing like that. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important to you know, have two sets of eyes on someone's training as well, because whether you mean to be or not, like everyone can be a little bit biased. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're developing these programs and sometimes it's like, um, you know, I like that. I'm like, Jessica, I need you to look at this strength. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. did I miss anything? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's just, it just provides a second set of eyes, a second check that we can just make sure that we're giving the best programs that, that we can, and we're not, we're leaving our own personal biases behind and really, really just um, giving them really what they need. Um, we yeah, were and- writing a, a strength program for a runner last week and Faye had her doing um, tricep push-ups, And I was like, Faye, Faye, why, why are, why, what, what's going on here? Why yeah. does this ultra runner need tricep push-ups?" And she's like, oh, well, I just thought that, you know, like her, her triceps might get tied with all those arm swings. I was like, as a runner, that has not happened to me. And Faye's like, as an OCR athlete, that's happened to me. And I was happened like, I, I don't <laughs> think that this is one of her gaps. And she's like, oh, okay, <laughs> chop it out. So it's nice to have two sets of eyes and two sets of experience in that sense. <laughs> and it's got to be reassuring from the athlete's perspective that they're not getting a cookie cutter program that way. When it's two different people, like when it's one coach, it would be easy to kind of dump people into buckets and be like, okay. This is what yeah. the person gets, and this is what I believe. That well, was. Go yeah, on. Sorry, is that sorry, something Rich. that you guys? Yeah, is that something you guys is, thought about? This is like a big, like touchy subject for me, um, because obviously we thought about when we were creating our business, like we want to get a bunch of people, you know, to sign up. Um, but at that sense, like we would have to create a bunch of templates. Like we weren't really sure how many people would be interested, and in. and I thought about 
and I've had lots of opportunities. People are like, hey, why don't you help me develop this app? Well, right, like body weight, strength, and you help do this, do this, and create all these templates for this and this and this and this. And I, I tried, like I almost sat down and like tried to write a template as I, I just can't do this. There's just too many variables. Mm-hmm. Um, like it just, it's impossible. And so like uh, Jessica and I just decided that's not our business. Like we were, mm-hmm. we're not going to provide a shittier product to have more people under us. We'd rather just take less clients and write individualized programs. And you can probably see in our prices that they're a little bit more than some of the other coaches out there. And that's because it actually takes us hours to write a program. And we're not going to work for $5 an hour because Jessica has a master's in exercise physiology and I have a kinesiology degree. So we're going to, you know, we have to, yeah. So it's just, it's like a, it's a touchy thing for me because I just, you know, people always want kind of an, an, an easy fix. Um, and there just really isn't the body's like so complicated and, and people are so mm-hmm. injured, you know, um, and their bodies just require like so much special attention that it was impossible mm-hmm. for me to sit down and actually write a template. I was mm-hmm. very confused on how to do that. Um, so yeah, and, we and really enjoy doing that though. Like it's, it's been really fun doing it that way because then we're able to work with everyone. I mean, we, we have some limits, of course, if we're not a good fit, we won't take you, but we're able to work with beginning athletes who are like just getting into the sport. We're able to work with elite athletes. Our latest project was we had a guy who came to us wanting to set the 60 minute chest to ground burpee world record. And that was really fun to coach because we got to break it down. They got to think of like what components of strength are really important for doing burpees ad nauseum. And I got to think about how, how the heck do you train this aerobically without burning his shoulders out? So it's allowed us to take on a lot of really cool and diverse projects. And so it's fun. It's a good challenge. I totally see what you're saying. Cause then like you, if someone comes to you with a specific thing, you guys have confidence in each other and in your product to be like, we'll figure out the best way possible. And we'll work with you to know if it's, if the application is going to work or not. So like you said, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can at least entertain the idea. Whereas if you're having a template, like, and, and Faye, you've mentioned just how variable people are and and that comes from experience like you used to work as a personal trainer so you know that people not everybody can do a squat like just flat. yeah most people and even my even own body like i people probably don't know this but i have like a lot of limitations um i there's a bunch of exercises i while i'm an athlete i just not going to be able to do i might you know once i retire and i figure out some of these things but right now they're not they're not healthy exercises for me to do. So I'm sure that other people have other, you know, da- da- really dangerous exercises. Um, so totally. Just, and, yeah. and, and that's something you can see if, if you see a program that has something that might be ideal, say like if you're working for power and, and someone programs like a snatch, like a barbell snatch in like a general template program, like there's like yeah. 95% of people can't do it. Like, yeah. So you know that that's just like an ideal world that some one person had done. So that like mm-hmm. that is the thing with templates. So it's encouraging to hear that you guys have kind of flipped the group training f- format where usually it's one coach and a group of people like for you guys, it's one athlete with multiple coaches, which is mm-hmm. extremely valuable. And, and um, so when it comes to those things, like Faye, we talked about strength training quite a bit um, or just kind of touched on it. So what are some things that you would do when you are building a strength training program Say for, um, we'll use OCR as this example. Like what are some places that you would like to start with people? If like a a person who might be going from like moving into age group wants to be competitive there, like where do you kind of, uh, start with strength training? 
Yeah, so um, we start, obviously, we have a call with the athlete, a consult, and I just sort of ask like basic questions just to get a broad overview of just their basic strength. Um, so we can kind of see it. it. Although we don't physically see the athlete by their height, their weight, and certain strength assessments, we can kind of figure out what they're lacking. Um, mm. And there's some stuff that they're lacking that they might not need. Um, but so it's kind of deciding what they need help with. And is that still applicable to OCR? So um, like an example would be like, oh, this, this person can't do like, oh, like overhead, their overhead press is crappy. I'm not going to work on overhead press because they run Spartan races. They don't put anything over their head. It's very little. So, yeah. so it's like, okay, you suck at that, but I don't care that you suck at that. You're not going to be given that task in a race. Um, but if, you know, they, they assess their pull strength and that's usually what's really weak on people, um, is their ability to pull, um, both lower and upper body. So upper body, I mean like pull-ups and lower body, I mean hip, usually like hip hingings and deadlifts that their posterior chain on people, it tends to be very, very weak. Um, and that's really, really important in obstacle racing because all the type of exercises we do, whether it's a rope climb, um, getting over a wall, a Hercules hoist, those are all upper body pull movements there's very there's no push movements so we try and um create our, our the time that we spend pulling is out going to outweigh the time we spent pushing just because that's how it is in a race um so you just really got to kind of break down the movements that they will be facing in obstacles and then um basically try and like target those muscle groups mm. um and it it seems like very simple i, I guess to me to sort of understand that but I think there's a lot of people out there that that don't understand what exactly they know what a rope climb is, they know what what um, a Hercules hoist is, but they don't actually understand the the movement involved in training that in a gym. For sure, and then being able to, and then because a lot of times people can't even do like pull ups, right? So like you can't just be like, okay, let's prescribe pull ups. So do you right. have like specific benchmarks to find those out? Like, or do you have reoccurring workouts for? Yeah, we have regressions on every single exercise and progressions. Um, yeah, I don't pull ups is like a good example, because there's a 1000 ways to regress that exercise. And there's a 1000 ways to progress that exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have variations of, of pretty much all of them. Although I keep finding like new unique. Um, yeah, we, we have videos like our app, we actually have taken hundreds and hundreds of videos of us doing the exercises, Jessica and I doing these exercises. And I feel like almost like every other day I'm writing in my notebook, Oh, I got to film this exercise. There's just the people are just make new exercises are coming up everywhere. And there's so many creative ways of doing the same thing, um, which really makes training for this sport really, really fun because um, we don't keep like recycling like old strength workouts over and over and over. We're always giving them a lot of variety. Um, because I really do believe that, um, if you're happy training, it'll, it'll show in your races and we don't need to talk about like, you know, mindset or anything right now, but I've just really noticed a correlation between how much I've enjoyed training and how well I do racing. So I think Mm. it's important to, um, keep things fun as well. Yeah. That's interesting. That's something uh, on my, my personal, like training this year is something that I've really thought about more as well as just how my mindset about training. And it really helps kind of guide the direction of what I want to do as far as performance. So I would like to touch on that. Maybe we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later, but, um, but Jess, I was kind of curious about the same type of question when it comes to assessing someone as a runner and the OCR athlete is a good example because sometimes most of the time they're not coming from a traditional endurance background, like the three of us mm-hmm. might have. So if you had that same type of athlete who wants to make that jump from age group also ran to the podium or potentially to get into the elite, like where do you kind of start 
<laughs> the background of our athletes is pretty diverse. So many have grown up playing soccer or they did some sort of varsity sport. Many also come from a total CrossFit background, run about three miles a week and are training for a, a race that's six or 10 miles. So baseline, I see where they're at. I see what they're doing. I see where they're running and what sort of paces they're hitting and then go from there. So in most people, we spend the first month or so building their mileage, or if it's already pretty good, then maybe maintaining as we're adding all these new variables in with strength and consistency and whatever. So it is nice to have a long time period of time to work with an athlete to allow time to do that. And then the number one change that we make in most people's programs is adding in longer, harder intervals, um, like running intervals. So Many people will do hit training or they'll do what they call speed work, which is maybe 30 hard seconds on and then full recovery. Right. With no hard real pain, yeah. just go hard as long as they can and then stop. Yeah. Yeah. Where, hard, hard again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our style of training is more like you're training for a 10K or a half marathon um, quite seriously. So they'll do mile repeats. They'll do 20, 30 minute tempo runs. They'll do... Um, some sort of fart lick with um, that, that's half an hour long with hard parts and short parts and whatnot. But these longer, like grindier endurance segments are so, so, so important for raising VO2 max and lactate threshold and running economy. All these super, super important facets of endurance performance that have previously been neglected, which is awesome because it's a gap. And these athletes start training like this and, and they, they perform much better. It also introduces, on the mindset theme, it introduces what discomfort feels like, training discomfort. So mm. many athletes never really go through a prolonged period of just like, I'm not comfortable, but I'm not dying, like, which is sort of how you feel in a race most of the time. So training that, like, that idea of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, and this is a hard pace, but you can sustain it, that's okay you're fine, like you're doing really well, this, this is all right, is, is something that comes out in doing these long intervals. So there is a mental aspect to the training that we throw in as well. Yeah, and I just want to, I just want to jump in on that note. Um, I think that, as you can imagine, running as fast as Jessica runs on the track is not the most comfortable thing. And I've kind of been known in OCR world to be just like this really tough athlete who like, can kind of red zone the whole race and I'm huffing and puffing and I never look comfortable. Um, but I think like part of um, what's really valuable that we provide is we talk to all our athletes on the phone and we have pre and post race chats and really like trying to get them in the right mindset before their race that like, yeah, we know this is going to be comfortable, but like my favorite saying, like, you know, be comfortable with the uncomfortable and, you know, just kind of learning to enjoy the effort um, and giving them some mental toughness tactics to, kind of call upon when they're feeling really uncomfortable on the course and kind of give them the confidence to push themselves. I think a lot of people just are either they, for one, they haven't actually tr like worked on pain tolerance, like through Jessica's talking about these harder, grindier workouts will give you, you'll learn how to tolerate pain better just by doing those, but also giving them the confidence that like, you're no different than Jessica and I. Um, we just are a little bit, when it, when it comes to running we're a little bit mentally tougher than you guys and we try and teach them how to get there and it's probably the most rewarding part for me as a coach is to see like 
you know, our athletes are like, oh my God, like I was totally dead at the finish line. I've never felt that before. I collapsed at the finish line. Like I actually think I emptied the tank this race. And we're like, yes, that is like, <laughs> that's what we've been, that's mm-hmm. what we've been coaching you to do. And I think mm-hmm. it, you know, our, our grit coaching name is kind of the perfect name for us. Cause that's really what we're trying to coach our athletes. Cause I, I do believe that um, people, there's so many people out there that could be a Spartan pro. Um, they just, um, <laughs> they just need to, uh, know how to know you know what i mean like they I just you, need I to thought work for sure harder. you're gonna say spartan up i was like she's gonna say spartan up. No, I'm not gonna <laughs> say spartan up but um yeah they just i i've never been um super super fast. i've been a talent a talented runner but i've never been crazy crazy fast and i've never been crazy crazy strong but i think i've just worked harder than most people and can endure more pain and that's why i've been so successful as an athlete um so i i want to see more people with stories like that yeah they're not the fastest they're not the strongest but they are tough as shit and they can go up against faster and stronger people than them and beat them. Which um, is a trainable skill, which is very yeah. trainable. Right. And that's what yeah. I was just going to say that, right. And like you guys have also spent more time in that uncomfortable zone. If you backed it up, you know, 15 years or whatever, like maybe in that first couple would be weird, but a lot of times mm-hmm. are just coming into it now, they're just learning what that is. A hundred percent. And so it's like, weird and scary and it's like this untouched territory of like what is what's what's too much and what's not enough and if I push too hard what happens and if I don't then what happens and it's just it, it's cool because there's just so much potential. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why people do want to go hard and do Tabatas or do 30 second sprints or do you know Fran workouts because they get to a point where they are shut down. There is no yeah. riding that line mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. okay, I need to h- hang on for seven more minutes and I want to stop now. But like, you know, you can, so it, it's probably just easier mentally for somebody to go really, really hard, which sounds counterintuitive, but like the hard work are the yeah. intervals because yeah, there's a finish I, point, a, a close finish point. And it's, it's harder and scarier when the finish point's really far away. It's hours away. So that's, that's what we work on quite a bit. And that's why mm-hmm. tempo runs suck. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we talked about mindset a, uh, a couple times now and like you guys are at the top in the world in, in both your respective events. And so it's obviously something that I feel like there's almost like a hierarchy of what people need to, to really kind of build a successful like athletic career on. A lot of times it is just, okay, base knowledge so that they don't have anything. They try it out. Then they come to you, you give them a little bit more of what they need. And I feel like around the top is that mindset piece. Um, so how much do you guys work that into working with your athletes or like, what are some things that you've done in like the last, like two years that you guys have both have really great accomplishments in your personal training that has helped with like your mindset? Um, like Faye, do you have any like things to share on that? Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) my, my mindset's all over the place. I'm crazy, but, um, I just, I, I really think, and it sounds so lame and cliche but I really think like that whole finding your why is so important like like why am I why am I doing this and and why is this important in my life and why why am I training Mm. um if you don't have a solid answer on on your why like it's very hard to get to that next level and um yeah that's been something I personally have been you know working on um and it yeah and so we we try and really find that internal motivation um, from our athletes. I think that, um, I'm a big believer that, you know, you have intrinsic motivation, you have extrinsic motivation. And if you're just extrinsically motivated by winning, um, cash, winning sponsors, winning, beating people, 
and you don't have any intrinsic motivation that you're going to have a very short life as, as an athlete. So um, you got to find like sort of a deeper motivation and a deeper why. And sorry, it was kind of a corny answer, but I'm no, a big believer like, in that. It's so true. Like it's cliche, but it's like for a reason, like, and I think about this a lot and as uh, um, actually had a guy on the podcast a couple of weeks ago who has this kind of idea behind there's like a divisible reason. Like you can always kind of boil it down even further. So if you're like, okay, my why is to, cause I want to prove to people that I'm fast. It's like, okay, well like, why do you want to prove to people you're fast? Mm -hmm. And like, if you're like, well, because you know, I was never like this and that. And like, you can keep going all the way down until like, there's like this base reason for really why you want to do it. And Mm -hmm. it's always something not as it appears, not like podiuming an age group or whatever. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So, I couldn't agree with that more. So I like that. I mean, it is, it's so true. And if you don't remind yourself often, you can go off the rails. Um, mm-hmm. And so Jess, what about you? Do you have any like mindset tips or like, what are some things that you've kind of been doing? Yeah, I think, I think Faye is a really good point and kind of the same kind of different is doing things with purpose. So looking at training week, it can be overwhelming or it seems like a lot or, like, it's like, oh, God, I'm tired. I don't want to go do this. But knowing that you're doing this for a reason, you're not just doing random exercise and seeing what happens because um, you know it's good for you or whatever. If, you're, if your goals are performance-oriented, and I mean, random exercise is great from a health standpoint, but if your goals are performance-oriented, it's really nice to know that what you're doing is for a reason, like a direct reason that's coming up soon. And then on that vein, I think it's really nice to have a really thought out race plan. And that's something I've worked in my own racing with um, quite a bit lately is having an A plan, a B plan, a C plan, thinking through different outcomes, thinking through different scenarios and just being prepared for what's going to arise. And then I think it helps with commitment in the race when things get tough. It's like, oh no, I was expecting this. I know that a race is always hard two thirds in. Like this is, hello, pain. I was, I've been waiting for you, um, but it's fine. There's only a third left, and I know that I can push for a third. Or like I actually feel really, really good. This is plan A. It's time to start picking people off. Or oh shit, I'm on plan D. I'm like just surviving. It's like okay, then engage the survival plan. Stick on with the person right in front of me. That sort of thing. So just really, really sort of taking emotion out of it and. Thinking this, I'm doing this for this reason. This is what's happening right now. This is this is reality. This is the present. How am I going to react? And w- when it comes to a race plan, I feel like that is really kind of next level type of stuff. It doesn't have to be like you're everyone's running their own race, so they should have some yeah. idea when that moment comes to be like, okay, I have the decision now to either move or to change my plan. Like mm-hmm. what, what do you think are people just not making plans at all? Or do you feel like that they're m- miss like guided in their planning? I think it's, it's more the first that people just don't really think about it. They just line up and everyone assumes they're just going to push each other or push, sorry, push themselves as hard as they can. Mm. And sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't and you just get kind of swept away in the moment and the race just happens. It just happens. And it's like, it's happening to you, but you're not re it's just happening. You're not in control. And so mm-hmm. just having a very basic conversation before like, okay, athletes, I want you to break this race into chunks and like consider this during the first half, this during the second or whatever is meaningful to them. Cause it's different for everyone. Um, I think goes a long way in just helping you stay in the moment in a race and not just sort of being a spectator, even though you're performing in it, Sometimes, I don't know, when things get hard, people are passing you and you're just, it's just happening. 
So just remaining in control and remaining in the moment is so important. And it is, it's practicable. It's trainable. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, Faye, what, what I, I was going to say, I just want to say something on that note. I think Jessica had like a good point about making multiple um, plans, like plan A, B and C. And from personal experience, um, I found it very, very, very dangerous to just have one plan, like not have plan B and plan C. And the reason why that is because I've had races where I'm like, okay, um, I have to say it's a non-championship race. Um, and it's just, you know, tri-state where none of the pros show up. And my whole goal is like, oh, I got to win this because I'm fame. I'm, I'm a pro and none of the other pros are there. So who else would win this? It's got to be me. Mm-hmm. And that's, I only made one goal. And when that doesn't go, when that's not going your way, um, it's really hard to shift gears and continue to push yourself really, really hard and continue to have a good race if you've already if your if your goal was to win or that was plan a and there's no plan b and no plan c once you know that goal a is unreachable you just almost stop trying stop caring and just kind of throw in the towel so to be able to change your your goals um if a is not working out shift over to b shift over to c gives you a whole different way to be able to still focus and still stay in charge and still have a successful race and that's really helpful to like, because in the sport of OCR, like shit is just going to go wrong. <laughs> like mm-hmm. in, in, from what I found in running, like it's, there are, I mean, there's obviously less variables and it's either like, it's very much in your own head, like what you're going to do with that decision. But sometimes in OCR, like I'll use the West Virginia swim for an example. Like I didn't know this crazy swim was going to happen. And like all of a sudden mm-hmm. my like whole race was like wrecked. So like you kind of have to be on that fly and have to like, be able to stay within that race so like when you do fall down because you'll probably fall down you have to kind of keep you have to be adaptable yeah a hundred percent cool so that's really good advice to have those multiple plans because having one plan like you said is it's not gonna it's not gonna go that way (laughs) yeah Um, especially at ocr because you might run into a bear do you have (laughs) there might be a bear out there there. (laughs) um so something that I'm I'm curious from your guys' perspective to kind of shift into like more like the training again is so I've been doing some reading. I, I follow this uh, person named Stacy Sims who wrote this book called Roar. Um, and it's very much about how the differences between men and women and how most of the scientific studies that have been conducted have been done on men. So women typically kind of get pushed in the same direction. You know, they um, – are just kind of given the same protocols when it comes to all of like training or um, like nutrition, for example. So um, with your athletes or, or just from your guys training in, in general, um, like Jess, have you like done anything specific that is related to gender or is it still just kind of a field that we're still just trying to figure out as we go? Sorry, in my personal training or as, yeah, both. As like what have you found? What have you, yeah, both. Like if you found anything specific that you would do that might be, not what uh like a male counterpart would do or not do Mm, not i haven't personally i haven't changed what i do too too much i take iron um Mm. females often have lower iron than their male counterparts um i have always been very careful with fueling so making sure that i'm eating enough and um, making sure that all my energy needs are met which um, is sometimes a problem in female athletes and so that's that's very important and one mistake i think that some people sometimes make is 
um, looking at mileage in miles versus minutes. So if I if I were to tell a male athlete to go run five miles and a female athlete to go run five miles as well, in most cases, it would take the female athlete longer. And so the training loads a little bit longer. It's, it's heavier in, in that sense. And so it's important to, to not give them the exact same training program because the female is then on her feet for longer. Um, again, in most cases, maybe they are the same speed, but um, making sure that the training that you're assigning or that I'm assigning is um, relevant to the athlete and not just cookie cutter because you have to make sure that they're, they're being prescribed an appropriate amount. That's a great way to think about it because 80 miles a week is not 80 miles a week, right? Depending on mm-hmm. who you're talking to. So sometimes I feel like people would see, okay, this marathon I ran 130 miles a week and that's end up being someone's standard in their mind. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that idea. And, and when it comes to like the nutrition piece, like, is there anything you do to make sure that you know how much you're, do you track it, what you're eating or are you just kind of making sure that you, you're feeling not like starving, I guess, during like heavy, like training loads? Yeah, I, I don't pay a ton, a ton of attention to nutrition. I eat pretty regularly. I weigh myself regularly to make sure that I'm not losing too much weight during a hard training program or block because that's, that's more likely what would be wrong with me rather than weighing too much. Um, so making sure that I'm meeting all my needs um, and I take good care to always eat within 20 minutes of finishing a workout because that's when your body is most adaptive to the energy that you're putting into it and it needs the most building blocks to repair the damage you've just done. So I'm very on that. Um, I also get regular iron tests because that's something that people sometimes don't even realize they're just tired and they don't know why. And then all of a sudden they're like super anemic and it takes a long time to fix. So staying on top of things like that is really important. For sure, for sure. I did think of. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, good. I thought of one more thing that we do do with our female athletes through coaching that I've realized is that many of them live very, very busy lives, and this is totally relevant to males as well. But um, many of them have like huge responsibilities with children and jobs and whatnot and training, and they get really nervous when they can't fit everything in or. Or they're like, oh my goodness, like I didn't get all my training in. What's happening? Like, am I letting myself down? Am I not being fit enough? And we've had a lot of conversations where we're telling our athletes that stress is stress and life Mm -hmm. happens. And like, yeah, you're not always getting stressed through training. But if you've also, if your four kids have the flu and you've worked 10 hours today, then absolutely it's inappropriate to tell your run back a little bit. You're exhausted. And, and training is always just about rest and recovery, or I'm sorry, not, it's about training and recovery, training and recovery. So you're going to adapt optimally to training if you're recovering properly from it. And so really being cognizant of what's going on in an athlete's whole life and not just like ticking the training off the training list, making sure that it works with their lifestyle at that time and being really realistic with how much energy they have and, and how you use it because you only have so much. <laughs> Yeah. Right. That's just like another point, like why, again, we didn't want to go the whole template route and we wanted like just to customize programs is because we need to talk to our athletes and figure out what's going on in their life. We can't just throw their training in. just as my strength needs to work around Jessica's running, the strength and running needs to work around their life. So we like to know a bit about our athletes and a bit about their life and, and what they're going through because it pay, plays a huge role in um, in what we prescribe, um, just like Jessica said, stress is stress and 
Um, we don't want to be beating people into the ground. And I think a lot of people are really hard on themselves and they can get into sort of some overtraining um, spirals and that causes all sorts of problems. Right. Yeah. Cause not everybody does have time to train like a professional athlete. Right. So yeah. if it was that easy, then mm-hmm. a template was all would be what they need, but mm-hmm. people are not in that position. That's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. So I like that concept of, of stress being stress. And like you'd mentioned there, because that is the case, if you're not sleeping well, or if just everything is on high alert all the time, like chances are that uh, they will get into overtraining or, and then almost always get injured. Right. Yeah. And, and that's or, like a battle. Go ahead. Or it stops being fun. And at the end of the day, right. this is, this is supposed to be fun. So totally. exercise and training should not, I mean, it's not fun every day, but overall it should not be a detriment to someone's life. It should be something that fits in well and gives them meaning and purpose and joy. So should be part, should be part of their why. Am I right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, um, so like, and that is part of the the frustrating thing with coaching athletes, at least from what I've found is that you can't, can you can't control us as coaches. We don't have control over what these people are doing. We can tell them how much to load. We can have those conversations with them. Um, but, but a lot of times like they might still get hurt one way or another. So what are some things, um, Faye, that you guys do to like try to steer people out of that injury overtraining cycle, like cycle? Um, yeah, so we do obviously a lot of mobility, a lot of foam rolling. Like, I mean, I don't mean to bore you with like the sort of things people know that they should be doing, but we make sure that those are actually in their programs mm-hmm. um, so that they actually do them because we're not just going to write like, oh, here's the strength. And oh, yeah, don't forget to warm up, do foam rolling, do trigger point, stretch these muscles. We actually like specifically put them in there so that they're more likely to do that, which we believe reduces um, risk of injury. Um, we also. Jessica, actually, I'll get Jessica to talk about kind of her, the pre-run routine that we like to put our athletes through. Mm. Yeah, so something that's really buzzy in the run world right now is a pre-run like activation routine. So reminding your lazy glutes that get somewhat shut off from sitting in a chair, like at an office all day, uh, meaning that it's harder to activate them and use them um, when you're running, which is really counterintuitive because they're like such powerful muscles, and when they're not being used as efficiently as possible, then running force is transferred to other muscles and bones and tendons and whatnot. And that's often a huge source of overuse injuries. So simply doing a really quick like neuromuscular warm up, like a couple of glute bridges. Um, we use those like physio mini band elastics a lot for some leg extensions, like takes no more than five minutes is really, really, really valuable in having your body operate optimally during a run. So we put a lot of that into our programming. And then we also have um, sections where they're increasing their glute strength and increasing their glute activation to help them learn how to harness those muscles a little bit better and hopefully, hopefully um, steer away from some of the overuse injuries that you see in so many runners. Right. So it's like just reminding like the mind muscle connection, right. And just making sure that they're firing and everything is kind of working before you head out and just hope that they're able to stabilize for the run. Is that just exactly. like a 10 minute routine that you just kind of throw in the, in, the, in front of the run? Or is that something yeah. that you, and is yeah, that like so, every run you would try to do? Yeah. So it's at the beginning of a run. And then it's um, also, I normally put in a section or two a week of just more of that to, to help them become better at the exercises and a little bit stronger. Hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have battled your own injuries. Do you guys kind of do the same thing in your own training or what are some injuries that you guys have had that they have had like overcome? 
I think I the shorter list would be what injuries I haven't had. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> I have had so many different injuries, which is good because I have lots of experience. I can definitely talk about it. Yeah. Um, but this glute activation stuff and strengthening and the pre-run routine is something that I've added into my own training. And every runner I know, like every professional or serious runner that I know also does it. So it's very, very, very important. And I really do feel more stable and more strong doing a little bit of glute work before a run. Mm. So how about yourself? Have you, have you been um, hit with yeah. the injury bug? Yeah, I have in the past. Um, honestly, not as much that I've since I've switched to OCR. And I really, really believe that's because I'm stronger. Um, I find there's like a direct correlation between how if I'm strong, I'm very injury free. If things get weak and whether that's like Jessica said, my glutes just get lazy or whether I actually just lose a little bit of muscle in my legs. Um, I do find that injuries pop up. Um, a good example of this is, um, you know, later in the season when there's so many races and big races, um, I tend to get a little bit afraid to go to the weight room sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'll be too sore. Like, oh, I have back-to-back races. There's no point of putting in a strength phase here. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I step away. And then that's been like really, really dangerous. Um, just because if you go too, too long, um, without strength training, you, you will lose lose strength, and that strength could be what is kind of keeping you durable and strong. Um, I talked to like Nicole and Lindsay about this, like a bunch of people, and we we actually kind of and Natalie Miano, a bunch of OCR racers, and it was funny because we were all a lot of us were having hamstring issues, and we all kind of like stopped lifting weights because we had like all these races at the end of the season, and that's where these hamstrings started to get pissed off. So I, it's not, you know, I'm not going to say I'm not a PT and I'm not a specialist in this area, but this has been like a correlation that I have like been finding that's been happening since I started running. So it's been like decades and decades of kind of this evidence that I've seen. So I like to stay nice and strong and I lift lots of weights and I do all Jessica's pre run activation exercises as well. So um, I'm more confident that I'm using proper, I'm properly using my glutes, which helps. And that is something that is a challenge. I know not just for OCR athletes, for OCR athletes, it's a little bit more intuitive because there is a strength element of the actual race, but for runners in general, like mm-hmm. when it becomes time to balance like the mileage or if they're getting into peak mileage weeks or peak intensity and how to put in strength training with that, like, so mm-hmm. How do you guys balance that? Like, is there a point where you get into training where maybe like total hours is a metric or do you just kind of fit it in where it can, or are you guys just consistently hitting the the strength piece with the running that's like non-negotiable? For the most part, we're pretty consistent, um, it, but the strength will look very different in different times of the year for different athletes. So for mm. someone who's, who's trained for a marathon or who is very endurance-based or who has been really injured, their strength, quote unquote, might be a bunch of TheraBand exercises and simply just a little bit of core and some glute activation work, but they're still doing it. And that's, that is strength. Whereas someone who's, who's in a base phase or, or training for OCR would be lifting heavier. Got it. Got it. So it is just something that's consistent. So it's good just to have that, like, and just make that a habit. Just so like what Faye was saying, you don't just fall out of it because you just get wrapped up in the specifics of the race. So, yeah, I think like the biggest problem, and I've been guilty of this in the past, and I see just a lot of people that are guilty of this is like, they just want to measure their workload and like the training time as like overall mileage. Like people are so obsessed with like overall miles. I think I need to get faster. Mm -hmm. I need to run more miles, which is, is true to a certain point, but 
you get to a point like you need to start thinking like that this mobility work that you're doing like that's like lengthening out my stride now i'm covering more ground per stride so that's actually making me faster as well because now i mm -hmm. can do i can in 100 meters I, you know i'm just i'm doing less work um and and just thinking about like the strength training like people like oh that's not part of like the run training but well if you can have a more powerful stride then you're a faster runner so just like mm -hmm. the 400 repeats are making you faster also the stuff in the gym is making you faster so just really starting to sort of change the mindset in that it's not just like there's so many different elements and they all count as overall training um training time and and they're all helping you know your your run fitness or your OCR or whatever you're do you're racing Totally. And it's like, it's almost like a vanity metric, the miles per mm -hmm. week, you know, it's just yeah. you can say it's like, well, I'm running mm -hmm. 80 miles a week. It's like, all right, well, you're not doing anything else. So like, mm -hmm. is it really helping? Or is it just something that you think would make you right feel good? And I don't and I and I get up, I get obsessive. I would say I could, like I've, in the past, and I've gotten better since OCR, because it's such a dynamic sport. But in the past, mm -hmm. I've been like really OCD about about certain things. Mm -hmm. um, and since I started OC, um, OCR, like I don't track really, I have a general idea of my mileage and stuff. But I like to not get too, too crazy about that stuff. Um, just just as sort of a check on on myself, like, um, mm -hmm. because I think that people get so wrapped up on numbers and all that stuff. So for me, um, and most people should be monitoring this. And, but I'm just saying when you're, if you're kind of like a type A, like nutcase, like myself, sometimes it's good just to take a break from, from all that information and just, um, kind of understand that it's all part of the picture and it, you don't need to hit this exact number or that exact number. Um, yeah. I, I think that's like a runner thing too. It's like, just cause we've known it so much and that it's hard to break out of that because it's yeah. like a metric that we use. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which goes back to the, the, the idea of like purpose. Like, why are you mm. doing this? How is this progressing you running an extra 10 miles a week? Will that make you a faster OCR racer in some people? Yes. In some people, no. So, so, so yeah, I wanted to pop in and talk about the high rocks because it is something that's new to the sport. And with now DecaFit that, that's coming out as well from, you know, the Spartan side, whatever, but it, I think it's really exciting for both training runners and for training strength athletes because Faye you mentioned earlier it's like a perfect blend I think it was I think we were off air when we were talking but it was like a perfect blend of both so you really have to get fast and get strong and there's just to me there's just less of that unknown element especially when it comes to the running so you can really seemingly run fast right as because you're not going down like nasty terrain or up a mountain so um so Faye like you just came off a, a win there so tell us a little bit about like what did you do different in your training leading up to Chicago and how are you kind of thinking that this high rocks is going to change the sport? Or would you even call it OCR? Are we calling it OCR? No, we're not calling it OCR. It's not right. Yeah. It's very different. Um, yeah. So, you know, I looked at high rocks and Jessica and I sort of sat down and Jessica was really excited because she's like, yay, a track. So we don't have to worry about routes and we could actually like run as fast as saying. we know you're capable of running Faye. <laughs> Um, because I'm, I'm fast and sometimes I don't get a show in an OCR because like, I'm also like really timid about hurting myself on those crazy trains and I have, I'm really uncoordinated and have really bad footwork. So I was excited that I could like run like real times. And I think Jessica was excited to, to train me for it and be running some fast intervals. So, um, one thing that was really important that we touched on is, you know, Jessica's like, look, it's an hour, the rack, the world records, an hour and five minutes. This is 
a long event. So those tempo runs and those threshold efforts, like they need to stay in. I was trying to get out of them. I was like, oh, like, <laughs> like order, that's important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, it's like a broken up race. I got to really need to run tempo runs. Um, so I maintained my tempo runs. I, I did like a lot of like 10Ks and 5K races, um, which I would do um, for my tempo efforts. And um, then my training didn't really train that much, change that much because I don't have access to trails. So when I'm training for obstacle racing, I'm not running on trails anyways. So right. it was actually very similar to how I trained for Spartan racing. Um, it's just, I really had to lift a lot heavier. So instead of going at the gym and doing like something that was is within my realm of, of strength training, I really had to lift heavy. And um, I do have my own strength coach. Um, his name is Josh. He's awesome. Um, so he like, it was just almost like scary. It's like, we got to get strong fast. And I was so sore all the time. And, um, you know, my, I'm sure that I, you know, took a bit of hit in my running and my strength took a bit of a hit because I was running. So like, or my strength, they both kind of took a hit. So I was kind of just trying to be like 85% at both those realms. And then to be able to like, to win that event was good. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, so I would say I just ran tempo intervals, um, and some shorter intervals as well, but both, uh, both those energy spectrums, and then also just like lifted heavier than I ever have. And it's, it's very easy to train for it because, well, for me at least, cause I, I actually was really happy because I was like, Oh, I actually, this is the first race I'm like going into that. I don't feel disadvantaged. I always feel so disadvantaged going into Spartan racing because I'm like, Oh, I don't have trails to run on and I don't have a spear to throw. Like I, and like, I just, so it was so empowering going into an event. It's like, yep, I have everything that is here. I've been on, I've done, I know exactly how it feels. Um, so that was like really fun for me. Yeah. And that's like, personally, I feel the same way. Cause I'm, I'm like, I need to travel a crazy amount to get to trails and hills and stuff. So like, I'm really excited for that because of that. You just have everything with you. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And, and just like when you are thinking of this, uh, uh, so you do think training someone in that, what would you put them in? Like a 15 K half marathon type of area, or would you trade more for speed? Like more of like a five K 10 K type of, um, effort for this type of event. It would be more five take five K 10 K because you are running fast and you have a good bit of rest between rest. You're still doing strength exercises, yeah, but you have running, running yeah. breaks. Um, so you do want to be able to run at a good clip, but I think that high rocks naturally also attracts a lot of lifters and CrossFit athletes. And so again, I see a gap in a lot of um, high rocks athletes being the run mileage. So it is still eight kilometers of running and that's not insubstantial. So I think the principles of raising mileage a little bit doesn't need to be as high as if you're training for a Spartan beast, but raising mileage and doing those, those difficult five K 10 K paced intervals will help a lot. Cool. And, and Faye, what was your splits like in between? Like what kind of pacing would you project that to be? Was it like a 10 K pace? Um, yeah. So runs? I did the, the first time I was like just under my five mile time was 30, just under 30, 30. And then it was just under 31 minutes the second time I did it. So I guess 30 minutes over five miles. That's, is that six minute miles? Is that right? Five, yeah. 10, 15, yeah. 20, 25, 30. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so roughly just over six minute miles. Um, so whatever that is kilometer wise, like I think, no, no, because there's a, there's a transition. So my kilometers are between three, about three forty five to four. Per kilometer 
Like you think that um, so you think you'd run six minute pace for like a fifteen k or like a half a half marathon? Half run that okay. Pace. It's like it's half, but I think like what Jessica's saying is like it's it sounds the weird, but you're you're insane. you're running you're actually running fast, even though my time was that because you're coming out of the event right after you get out of the event, you're running like dog shit, like just mm-hmm. for a hundred meters. So it's like the first hundred meters and the, and the second and the last hundred meters, you're not really running that well because you're just getting off of really heavy, something heavy, or you're preparing for something else heavy. So that almost middle eight, if you just looked at that middle 800 meters, that would be more closer to my 10 K pace. I'm just losing so much time. Like, cause after the event, you need like some time to just regroup yourself. And when you're going into the event, you kind of need to kind of get a hold of your breath. So it is like you are running most of it a lot faster than that. You're just losing a lot of time. Does that make sense? Like losing a lot of time on the front end, 100 meters and back end, 100 meters. 100%. And even those first 100 and last 100, the, the, like the, the intensity and the stimulus would still be that of a 5K or 10K. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Pace aside, because it's, yeah. uh, it's not a half marathon. It's not a 5K. Yeah. So like you yeah. can't go pace off a of pace. Yeah. I was just kind of curious as to how it kind of translates. Yeah. It's like you feel like you're sprinting. Like I'm like, I'm running my 5K pace, but your legs are so flooded with lactic that the pace is just so such slower. But that yeah. the, the um, perceived exertion and the effort is mm-hmm. still, you're just hammering. Totally. Cool. That, that makes sense to me. So we'll wrap this thing up. But uh, before we go, I just want to kind of get an idea of where we can follow you guys and kind of what the goals are for the season. So Jess, what do you got coming up? Um, you're cranking on some indoor, I'm guessing outdoor, like there's got to be the Olympic trials coming soon. I'm not, I'm not sure how that process works for you guys. Yeah, um, I'm racing indoors. I'm doing the Melrose Games 3000. So I got, I'll get to see Faye because they're nice. in your city. So I'm excited well, for that. Yeah, awesome. and then, yeah, in a couple of weeks. And then we'll see where the indoor season goes from there. Um, but definitely outdoors is my priority. So hoping to run some fast 5Ks. And then our trials are at the end of June. So the team's decided then. So I'm just trying to run fast times, accumulate world ranking points, and um, put myself in a good position for that. And is there a standard where you have to uh, that you have to hit? There, so there's two different ways to qualify. You can qualify by hitting a time standard, which is quite hard. They've made them harder than they have been in the past because the remainder of spots in each event are allocated to um, athletes based on world ranking. So it doesn't matter how you qualify, standard or world ranking. Standard's more secure because it's a standard. It's in in your control more than a world ranking is, but you can go either route. But they just made it really hard. Okay, so that's why you have to – so they make it so you have to continue to race. So you can't just hit what standard and then – okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Best of luck. And uh, Faye, where, where are you going to be this season? What are you, uh, are you going to do the typical I'm Spartan boring. thing? Yeah, you can just sum it up in that. Typical <laughs> Spartan thing, U.S. Series, Championship Series. Nice. Yeah. It's been, my gonna... life. it's been my life for like the past five years. So Yeah. So no, uh, <laughs> no um, High Rocks World Championships or anything? <sighs> I wish. Um, yeah, I qualified, obviously, um, but I don't think I'll be able to go because it's, it's the order. same it's week. Like it's like soon. It's the same weekend as a um as a u.s series race oh is it so that would screw up the whole series because you can't drop a race um well cool guys i'll make sure to link to your socials and your website and uh the the grid training and everything but i really appreciate you guys uh popping on lots of awesome stuff i think people will really like it great thanks so much all right see you guys all right bye